Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Oh, my soul, praise him, for he is thy health and salvation. All ye who hear now to his temple draw near, join me in glad adoration. Lord God, we do come before you with thanksgiving and praise. I can't help but wonder many years ago when I was a youngster if I would ever see the year 2019. Seeing back then time and dates, years, really didn't make much difference to me. Oh, there were events of life that I was looking forward to, like, like driving and graduating, getting married one day, and and yet, Lord, I, but I didn't count on getting older. I didn't count on aches and pains. I didn't count on disappointments of life. I didn't count on situations of life that even there were times that would draw me away from even considering of how wonderful you are. But through all of those years, your grace and your mercy were not just so evident but they have become a foundation of our lives. For it is by your grace through faith whereby we truly understand your mercy. Your grace offers to us that which we do not deserve. We, none of us deserve the glory of heaven. But yet your mercy is what grants us that because you keep what we deserve away from us. And so it is with great praise and thanksgiving that as we begin this year of 2019, that we are still aware that you are God and we're not. It's not long, O oh Lord God, when we can read the newspapers and shake our heads and wonder how much worse can it get. And yet you are still God and we're not. We're grateful that each and every day you shower us with numerous blessings. Your faithfulness is new every morning. Your mercies are fresh as the spring air that one day, Lord willing, we will breathe again reminds us of a season of new growth. But I pray, O oh Lord, this God, this morning, that our attention would be off of what is happening outside and what is about to happen in here. Life can cause us to forget 
events of life can cause us to desire to forget. But this morning before us as we have these elements, it's nothing more than a, than a small glass of grape juice and a, a small wafer, but yet their significance is dynamic. And I can't think of a better way to begin a new year. And yet, Lord, still in our midst, we have individuals that uh, even now, as Brianne, our dear sister, has been through numerous tests of medical realm. And we're grateful, Lord, for the success of the recent surgery. And even from the last tests that she had, and there's no... uh, News that causes us to be alarmed, but yet unknowing is still part of the waiting game. And I pray for her family as I pray for Brienne. I'm still reminded of your glorious word that says, They who wait upon the Lord shall have renewed strength. And so I pray that you would renew their strength. That you would allow them to soar like eagles. You will give to them the strength just for today to run and not grow weary and even walk and not faint. Give to them, O Lord God. Even in the midst of unknown, give them the calm assurance of knowing that you know and that they can trust in you. We offer to Lord this morning our dear brother Bob Bechtel struggling with the case of the shingles and the great pain that he's in. I ask Lord that you would comfort him today. Bring a healing, O Lord God, that only you can. We remember Doc Wilkinson also, Lord, and pray that you would strengthen him. And give to his wife, Bonnie, and his family members. Give to them, O Lord, the same grace that comes from your hand. And that even in the midst of weaknesses and illnesses, yet, God, you are still good. We pray, O Lord, too, for individuals that we have become acquainted with and and love dearly our missionaries all over this world. We ask, O Father, that you would bless both the the Pierces, both John and Carol, and as they minister with Ethnos 360, O God, I pray that as they travel and representing that mission board and yet the way that you have used them, O Lord, in many ways to minister to the missionaries. I pray, O God, for their safety and and health as they they travel around and and minister the, the word of God. Thank you for providing for them. Thank you for allowing us the privilege to be a part of of their ministry. God, too, we ask for continued strength for the Fertazes. 
not heard concerning the latest as far as the testing and such that Ernesto has had to go through. But Lord, I, I ask that you would lead and direct the doctors. And give them that wisdom that can only come from you and allow them, O oh Lord, allow the Fertazes to, to trust in you. Use them mightily for your honor and for your glory. Your word, O oh Lord, is precious. It's described as being sharper than any two-edged sword. It's described as being profitable for all areas of life. It's referred to as springs of living water. It's even entitled the Word of God. And yet sometimes the familiarity of the passage causes us to forget the power that is in the passage. So as we open your word, I pray, O Lord God, you would open our hearts. And by your spirit, would you teach us? Teach us all things and bring all things to our remembrance whatsoever you have told us. And lo, We thank you, O Lord God, that you'll be with us always, even unto the end of the age. So may your word speak today, O Lord God, to our hearts. And we will be careful to praise you and thank you in your name. Amen. I invite you this morning to turn with me to the passage that we want to deal with in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. The 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians. It is not a new passage. Obviously, we have been here before. But I trust that this morning there will be a newness of the passage that maybe we've not seen before, maybe we've not even considered, but we trust that this morning that God's power and by his Holy Spirit will teach us some things concerning his word. I want to begin reading at verse 23, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23. In honor of the Lord, let's stand together as we read the word of God. The Apostle Paul writing for us when he said, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus Christ on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, and this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. 
For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And for this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. And the rest I will set in order when I come. Turn around and welcome those in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you were to come into the parsonage, you'd walk up the stairs, if you come in the front door, and you would recognize a big picture of our grandchildren that I think it was two years ago that our children surprised us with that for, for Christmas time. They're all, at that time, there was, there was only eight Since then, we have three more, and so we have 11 grandchildren. But on that picture, they're sitting on a uh, a wagon, each of the older ones holding the youngest ones, and all with smiles. We were told that that was the only good picture that was taken that day. We weren't there, but uh, I can just imagine Pictures have a way of reminding us of three things, a place, a time, and an even people. The picture that we just read for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 reminds us of those same three things. Remind us of the people. It's Jesus with his disciples in the upper room. Matthew, Mark, and Luke add to the context of what we have just read. For under the direction of the Lord God, Jesus Christ, he said to two of his disciples, go and prepare the Passover meal. And so it says later that night, they gathered in this upper room, a room that was especially prepared. It was a room that was in an individual's home, And the texts of Matthew, Mark, and Luke refer to the fact that everything was in order. And so we have the people. It was Jesus and his disciples. One of them we know, according to the Gospel of John, was a deceiver. That being Judas, and John's Gospel gives a little bit more information about what he is about. And we have the time. The time is during the season of Passover, the celebration, if you will, of a reminder of what God did for the nation of Israel as they were in Egypt. 
You being familiar with Exodus chapter 12 would remember that Moses was given strict instructions of how to prepare for a special night. The nation of Israel was about to be released out of the clutches, if you will, after 430 years of being in bondage of the Egyptians, God was about to set them free. And there were things that they were to do. They were to get ready for what was known as the Passover. And this event here that we've just read from the Apostle Paul, we see that he still is instilling that because in, in the first verse we read, he says that Jesus gave him that information. This is what I received from the Lord. I didn't get this from individual men. I got this directly from, from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And it was to be carried on in the church. And, and thus we have it here this morning. We have the people, and we have the place, and we have the time. The time is reflected because after it says in the text that on the night that Jesus was betrayed is when he instituted what is known as the Lord's Supper. But what is interesting about pictures is that they can also remind us of past, present, and future. Remembering. The picture of our grandchildren, we look at that picture and then we see them now and we we are reminded that we have one one one-year-old, two two two-year-olds, and three three three-year-olds. Now you put them five together and it's crazy. And then we have two nine-year-olds and then a sophomore and a senior in high school. Eight girls, three boys. What fun we're going to have in two weeks. And so they remind us of the past. That's what they once looked like. And then when we compare them to today, wow, how time flies. And then he remind us also of the future. What does God have in store for them? Our oldest granddaughter graduates from high school, and she's going to become an Edinburgh fighting Scotsman. All I want is a sweatshirt. God's going to lead her to... We believe great, mighty things. She wants to be an art teacher, and she's very good at what she does. The past, the present, and the future. Those three things are evident even as we come to the communion table this morning. There are two phrases that that the Apostle Paul uses. One is reflective of what Jesus said. The other is what the Apostle Paul says. The one phrase is embossed, if you will, or engraved on the front of the table, do this in remembrance of me. It's something that Jesus wants us to remember of past. This is what he did for us. In fact, the purpose and the power 
of what Jesus did for us is that he provided the sacrifice for the remission of our sin. That is what we truly rejoice in. We know and understand that our relationship with God is based solely upon the finished work of Jesus Christ. For Jesus, even himself, in John chapter 14 and verse 6 says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. It's a declaration, if you will, of this is what I am going to do for you. He highlights that as in the elements, he said, this wafer now, this piece of bread is a representative of my body, which is going to be broken for you. This last cup is the new covenant in my blood. It's established in his blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin, the writer of Hebrews tells us. And Jesus Christ willingly shed his blood so that through his precious blood, we may come to have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's past. But what about remembering the present? How do you remember the present? One thing about pictures is this, is that the moment that they are taken and the next moment those pictures are obsolete. The next minute you're older than what you were in the pictures. There's another picture in our house too that Many people come and look at it, and they begin to laugh. It's mine and my wife's wedding picture. They're not laughing at my wife. They're laughing at me because what guy on his wedding day wears a brown tuxedo with hush puppy brown shoes? That was 1974. What do you want from me? That's the way it was. And people, they say, who is this? Well, it's, it's me and, and Nancy. Well, we can see Nancy, but holy cow, have you changed? I know, I've gotten ugly. I know that. That's what age does to you. But the moment that picture was taken, the next moment it was obsolete because we were older. Things began to change. We went from being single now to being married. And you do the same thing in your wedding pictures. You, you, you leave one realm and go into another realm. I'd like to see some of your wedding pictures so I could laugh at them. But remembering the present. The, the elements aren't just about what Jesus did for us. They're also about what he is doing for us right here and right now. Because the power and the purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ giving of his life for us gives to us, even presently this day, victory over the flesh, the world, and the devil. And it's all through Jesus Christ. But then there's a moment, too, that remembering the future. How do you remember something you're not even into yet? 
Well, Jesus made the Apostle Paul in his statement says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he, what everybody, comes. Future. The presence and the power and the purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection assures us of a home that we yet long to see. Glory. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. John 14, verse 2. Past, present, and future. That's tied up in do this in remembrance of me. But what about the next, what about the other phrase that the Apostle Paul said? The Apostle Paul said, therefore, let a man examine himself. In this passage, it highlights a spiritual, if you will, undertowing that too often we don't see. And it's this. There are two ways to come to this table. You can either come worthy or you can come unworthy. But what does it mean? The Apostle Paul says, don't partake of this in an unworthy manner. Which, what do you mean by that? The context of this passage in chapter 11 in the earlier verses highlight the fact that the people at Corinth were abusing the Lord's Supper. They were using it as more or less a show, if you will. They were downgrading the purpose and the power of it in order to exalt themselves. It says some of them, almost it looked like a picnic lunch. They'd bring their food to the communion service of the Lord's table, and they would consume it so much that they were full while others near them were hungry. And then the Apostle Paul says they were even coming and getting drunk for it. There was a celebration, but it was an unworthy celebration. But what about us today? I don't see any picnic baskets. I did not come to each and every one of you, but I can almost assuredly say that none of you are drunk this morning. Can someone give me an amen? I'd like to at least know that. No one's drunk here. So what does it mean to come in an unworthy manner? Well, let me let you in on a little secret. If it wasn't for Jesus Christ, none of us would be worthy. (laughs) For he alone is the one who has given of his all so that we could have all. But I think an unworthy manner is also in the fact that are we partaking of these elements thinking that it's all about me? Look what I've done. 
Look what I've become. But also I think there's a hint of unworthiness when we come to these elements and we forget the importance of who they are to be about. We are to take introspection. Let a man judge himself that we don't become judged. Becoming judged by God can hold some pretty bad situations. There are some who are sick among you and many sleep. They've come with the wrong reason. These elements do point and they do remind us of all that Jesus Christ has done for us. And in that we rejoice. They also remind us that even today, we still have victory over the flesh, over the world, and over even the forces of all of hell. For we've been set free. And they do remind us of what is yet to come a glory that is beyond our, even we can begin to imagine or think. That's why we come. We come to remember the past and the presence and the future based upon one thing and one thing only. It's what Jesus Christ has done for us. And these elements remind us of our past, our present, and our future. So I ask if those who will be serving the elements this morning, if you would please gather in the back as we prepare to partake of these these particular elements. Pastor Isaac, if you would come and join me, please. Gentlemen, if you will come. Can we please stand as we offer prayer of thanksgiving for the bread that represents the body of Christ. Thank you, O Lord Jesus, that you willingly took on the the flesh of man. Your word tells us that you dwelt among us. You understand our hurts. You understand our pain. You understand our weaknesses, though you had none, but yet you tell us in your word that You understand everything that we go through. And we're grateful that you willingly came and took on flesh of man. And as you walked among us, you touched lives. And then when you hung on the cross, you willingly gave of yourself so that we could live. 
as we partake of this particular wafer this morning, O God, may we realize and remember that your body was bruised, it was whipped, it was beyond recognition, but yet you willingly hung on the cross for us. And we'll always be thankful and praise you, O Lord Jesus. Amen. On the same night when Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he blessed it. And he broke it and he said to his disciples, this is my body which is broken for you. And do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake. Again, please, as we thank the Lord for the grape juice that represents the spilt blood of our Savior. Lord Jesus, the pain and the suffering you went through and then the, the final spilling of your blood as they thrusted a spear through your side that went all the way to your heart. It was that blood upon which that fell to the earth was the propitiation. It satisfied the requirement of God for the forgiveness of sin. You were the perfect sacrifice. And it is through your blood that by grace through faith we can come to that relationship whereby we have peace with God. And it's just trusting in you. So as we partake of this this little cup of grape juice and as the sweetness and goes from our lips and through the back of our throat. Oh God, I pray that we would remember that you offering your life was a sweet-smelling savor to God. And may our lives also be that which honors our great God who's to be praised. To you, O Lord Jesus, again we thank you. We praise you in your name. Amen. After supper, the Lord Jesus took the cup. Again, he blessed it, and he said to his disciples, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us partake. After the supper, it says, They sang a song and departed. So Dennis, come and lead us in the closing song.